All right, welcome to the first ever episode of the Man in Black podcast. I am Josh Mancuso. This guy is Todd Blackledge. He's the expert. I'm the comedian, and we're going to talk college football. Todd, how's it yes, going, sir. man? Doing good, man. Doing good. We had a fun week. Really some exciting <laughs> games over the weekend in week four of, of the college football season. Yeah, we did. Let's let's just dive right in right now. Let's get into it. All right. So you you called the Ohio State Notre Dame game. Yeah. yeah. Did that game go the way you thought it would go? Uh, I knew it was going to be a close game and would go into the fourth quarter. Uh, I thought it was a very evenly matched game going in, and it sure proved out to be that way. I mean, it was a really really good football game. I know, you know, if you're looking for just a bunch of scoring and high flying numbers. That wasn't the game. It was a hard-fought, physical game uh, that literally went down to the last play. And so, you know, we, we couldn't have asked for anything more at NBC. You know, the game lived up to the hype. It was a tremendous atmosphere in South Bend. Not not just game night, but, I mean, the entire weekend. There was just a buildup and an energy and a vibe uh, that was really, really special. So it, it was a lot of fun to be a part of. I think for me, you know, I do I do my weekly picks uh, for for all the games, and uh, they I take them very seriously. Okay, and mm-hmm. I yeah I want them to be to be good. I went eight and three this past That's week. Good. Yeah, it's not bad. But this was a game I missed. I missed Ohio State and right. Notre Dame. I picked Notre Dame. I really felt like they have something special this year, and they may still have that. Obviously, they they may win the rest of their games. Uh, yeah. But uh, what were your impressions of Notre Dame as a team, and and yeah. can they can they win the rest of their games and make a playoff appearance? I think they're really good, and you know, I, I they they very easily could have won that game, and in some ways, you might even say they should have won the game. You know, they they kind of had some control in the game. They were moving the football, running the ball really well. Their last possession, um, they had one negative play against them, and then they tried a screen pass. It was incomplete, and they ended up having giving the ball back to Notre Dame or to Ohio State, and the Buckeyes got to keep one of their timeouts. Um, but you got to give credit to Ohio State and Kyle McCord. I mean, this was his first year as a starting quarterback. And, I mean, he did something that nobody thought maybe he'd be able to do to drive his team in the last minute and a half like that, uh, hit some clutch throws, hit a clutch fourth and 10 play, hit a third and 19 play to get him to the one-yard line, beautiful throws. So um, so it was very impressive what they did. But But as far as Notre Dame, I think they're a really good football team. I think because of Sam Hartman, they've got a chance to win any game that's left on their schedule. Um, they got a, a very good defense, a very good offensive line. Uh, they just didn't execute some things down the stretch. You know, they gave up the play on third and 19. They missed a couple fourth and one plays. You know, I didn't really love the call on either of the fourth and one plays. Um, and then the last two plays of the game, unfortunately for them, and just because of a lack of communication you know, on their sidelines, they played the last two plays of the game with only 10 guys on the field. So, um, it's hard enough going 11 on 11, but when you go 11 on 10, uh, at your own one yard line, it's pretty tough. It's hard to, to beat an offense like that when you're a man down. Uh, that fact that, uh, those last couple of plays reminded me of, uh, 2012, I think it was when Derek Dooley at Tennessee, uh, we beat, uh, they beat, uh, LSU for a second and then realized, uh, the penalty at the end was that they had 12 men on the field. I remember that. Did he yeah. have his orange pants on that night? You know, I think he probably did. Yeah. 
Yeah, that I was he probably did. That was a real fashion statement. Those pants. it was, it was. I could, I could see you in some orange pants. Nah, don't think so. Okay, no, no. All right. You know, I had orange pants as basketball warm-up pants when I was in high school because <laughs> the Hoover Vikings colors were orange and black. So you know, there was a time when I wore orange pants, but not. Like out to dinner or anything right. like that. <laughs> right, not out in public. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, although if you cut next time you're in Knoxville, we should get you some uh, orange and white checkered overalls. Those oh, yeah, are pretty, was... pretty popular. Yeah. Really? They <laughs> are? Yeah. What would it take to get Todd Blackledge in a, in a pair of orange and white checkered overalls? Maybe. Well, you know, my wife is a big – she loves Halloween. I mean, she loves it, you know. And so maybe – for a dress up situation. Yeah. I don't know what I would explain that I was, you know, if somebody asked me, I guess just a, <laughs> a diehard ball fan, maybe, I guess. For ha- That's it for Halloween. You got your costume figured out. Got me the checkered <laughs> overalls. I can let you can borrow my mullet. Yeah, coonskin hat. To- oh, the mullet. Yeah. Mullet, mullet, coonskin hat goes to Tennessee fan. <laughs> but the whole time you're there, you have to be complaining about uh, something. Cause that's what Tennessee fans like to like to complain about. Uh, the quarterback mm-hmm. situation or complain about why we only scored 45 points. We should have scored, you know, a hundred. Yeah. Um, so it's while we're on, while we're on Tennessee, let's just, let's just go there. You were calling a game. So you probably didn't get to see uh, the Vols in action maybe, but you know, they had the, that loss to Florida right. in the swamp. Um, a lot of people thought they could go down there and get it done. Um, I thought they would. So the swamp is a really tough place to play for anybody. Florida turns out maybe a little better than, than we thought. I don't know. Their quarterback, Graham Mertz, certainly has impressed recently. But uh, the Vols, then they beat UTSA pretty solidly. Uh, but, you know, a lot of Tennessee fans calling for, for Coach Hopple to make some kind of changes. Take Joe Milton out and put in the freshman, Nico, um, which I have my own opinion on that that I can share in just a moment. But I would love to hear your opinion on uh, what you would do if you were a coach. Yeah, well, first of all, I've not really studied their games. I mean, I know they did not play, you know, as expected down in Florida. And as you mentioned, I mean, I've done plenty of Florida-Tennessee games in both Knoxville and Gainesville. And when that place is is lit up and it's hot and it's loud, it's as loud as any place in college football. And so, you know, they went into a, a, a hostile situation and they got, they got it handed to them down there. You know, they rebounded with a good win. It, my opinion, you know, Joe Milton has earned this opportunity. You know, he's been the good soldier. I mean, he was Hooker's bet. You know, they were best friends and roommates, and he supported him. And you know, he's put his time in. Um, and they only have one loss. You know, so to okay. me, it's like, don't panic, don't jump ship, don't abandon your quarterback right now because I think I think his experience and his just maturity from an age standpoint is better off for you right now than going to a young guy. Yeah. hundred percent agree on, on, on that. I think that uh, Joe Milton um, ha- is a great quarterback and I think he, uh, who knows what may happen with any teams. He, Tennessee may win the rest of their games. They may upset some people. They may, or they may not, but Joe Milton has definitely earned the right to, to keep that position and, and yeah. yeah, why go to an untested freshman quarterback? I remember fans, you know, when Joshua Dobbs was there, um, you know, and had some struggles even in his senior year. Fans were calling for them to put in of uh, his Garantano at that point. I'm not sure if Garantano was his freshman at that point. And I'm thinking, why, you know, um, 
then Garantano came along, and everybody's calling for them, you know, to change out him and give somebody else. So I think fans, how do you know? What should fans' expectations be, you know, when they are watching their team play, and they're, you know, help take us into the mind of of, of a quarterback and what they're dealing with, you know, as they're trying to take their team. You think you think Joe Milton doesn't, didn't want to win in Florida, right? <laughs> like he wants to win more than anybody. So, uh, yeah, what do you think? Well, I think most fan bases, you know, they're the, the, the good part is the passion, you know, and they're, you know, they're there and they, they're engaged and they, you know, they want to support. The bad news is there are so many unrealistic expectations most of the time, you yeah. know, and the expectations are just off the charts. And I think the biggest thing that fan bases need to remember is these are 18 to 22 year old kids that are out on the field playing. They got girlfriend issues. They're going to class. Most of them, you know, uh, you know, they're doing all kinds of other things. They've got dynamics at home that nobody knows about uh, family issues. Maybe somebody got an illness. We, we don't know about that. And they're young. Right. And so, you know, they're, they're not going to play the same way every game, every week. And and I think more realistic expectations are would would benefit everybody. Absolutely. So here, I got a question for you since we're on the SEC. Okay. You no, know, I know you would probably just want to talk about Tennessee the whole time, you know, <laughs> the falls. But uh, I, I had some other notes here after and, Tennessee. Uh, okay. yeah. But you know what? I will tell you this one other story because you brought up Joshua Dobbs. So yeah. we always meet with players. You know, when we go to do a game, we'll meet with the head coach on Friday with the home team. We'll meet with the head coach, offense and defensive coordinators, and usually a couple players. And you know, a lot of the players are kind of the same. They, you know, they just kind of do it because they're supposed to. Every now and then you get a player who's very interesting to talk to, very engaging, very different, unique. Uh, when we sat down with Josh Dobbs, however many years ago, he was he was unique. I mean, first of all, he came into the meeting on one of those like hoverboards, you know, like he 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 kind of rode into the meeting on one of these hoverboards. And uh, or, or it wasn't a hub. Yeah, it was something like that. Whatever it was, some some kind of newfangled yeah. technology. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, you know, the old saying, we say, well, hey, it's not rocket science. Right. Football's not rocket science. But he basically majored in like rocket science. He was like an aeronautical engineering you know, brainiac. Right. So just talking to him, he was so different, uh, just a whole different outlook on on everything, not just football. So anyway, he, he was one of those meetings that you 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 always remember because uh, he made yeah. a made an interesting impression on us so oh yeah here's my here's my question for the sec right okay all right um, you know people want to say oh the sec is down it's not dominant not not the same you know there are three undefeated teams right now in the sec now i'm going to give you, you 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 know georgia's one who are the other two do you know other two undefeated teams are uh, missouri yep and um uh, they have a big uh, game this week. Yeah, who was the other the other team that's undefeated? So you got me at a loss in, in the moment. Missouri and um, Kentucky, the Kentucky, Kentucky Wildcats. They Kentucky. Host, yeah, Georgia, Missouri, and Kentucky are the three undefeated teams in the SEC right now. Yep, the blue bloods of the SEC. There, <laughs> Kentucky and uh, Vanderbilt started out two and zero. Yeah, uh, I know they did. I that was did. interesting. Well, it'll be it'll be fun to see what happens in the SEC. It's sort of anybody, I guess uh, it's anybody's game 
except for Georgia, maybe. Uh, they seem to be on top there. Okay, but let's go back. You mentioned quarterbacks. Um, did you have another question? Or was that – that, okay. No, not right now. Not right now, maybe later. Um, <laughs> as I say something else stupid, then you can yeah. have a question to say, why did you, would you ever say that? Um, that's why people are going to love this podcast because I'll say all the dumb stuff and then you can correct me and say all the – I'll do it in a nice way, though. That's the same way, like, when I broadcast, you know, like, I'm a former player. My dad was a coach. I know how hard it is to play in the moment, how hard it is to coach. So, you know, when I give my opinion, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm paid to do that. But I do it in a way, I try to do it in a way where I'm not, you know, ripping a guy's character or tearing a guy down. So you can always remember that, you know, no matter how dumb of a thing you say, Mm -hmm. I I won't ever throw you under the bus. I appreciate that. Because you're definitely not getting paid for this. That's true. No, no. I'm just hoping to get another hat, maybe. You know, at some point, a man in black, man in black hat or something. Yeah, we look pretty good in our black. Um, I think so. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we were talking about quarterbacks earlier. In it, yeah, all the quarterbacks. Um, you mentioned, you know, you're 18 and 22 years old. I mean, you got dealing with a lot of things. Um, and well, unless you're Bo Nix, then you're like 30 years old. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. his 12th year of eligibility. Funny. We're finally done. I'm hoping. And I love Bo Nix. I, I couldn't be happier for him because he played under yeah. so much duress and pressure as a legacy guy at Auburn, and he never reached his full potential, and he kind of bore the weight of that, right? Yeah. And so he went about as far away from Auburn as he could possibly go <laughs> out to Eugene, and he has just had such – I mean, his the – the last two years of his career has been like so reinvigorating for him and such a change. And I'm happy for him because he's a, he's a great kid and uh, obviously played well this past weekend, you know, as, as Oregon kind of brought the Colorado Buffaloes down to earth a little bit uh, with a 42 to six beat down. And, but Oregon's a really yeah. good football team. Bo Nix is playing at an extremely high level and, you know, you've got, You've got three, four legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate quarterbacks playing in the conference formerly known as the Pac-12. You know, I mean, it's the last the last year that we'll see the Pac-12. But, you know, you got Caleb Williams at USC who won it last year, is still playing at a very high level. Uh, you know, you've got Michael Penix Jr. at Washington. Washington's playing as good as anybody in college football right now. Oh, yeah. He's directing this incredibly high-powered offense. You got Bo Nix. Uh, you know, Cam Rising from Utah, Utah is undefeated, and he hasn't even played yet, the starting quarterback of Utah, and he's really right. when they get him back. And there's a kid that probably nobody knows about, Cameron Ward at Washington State, I mean, he is a he yeah. transferred from. I want to I want to think it's Incarnate Word where he was playing an FCS program, and he transferred to Washington State last year, and he played really well last year, and he had a huge game. You know, the two teams that are kind of left in the Pac-12, Oregon yeah. State and Washington State, both good football teams, and it was a you know a shootout of a game, and he threw for four hundred yards and four touchdowns, and Washington State won that game. Uh, against the Beavers of Oregon State. So, I mean, it, it is a really, really good quarterback conference. And then, you know, you throw Shadur Sanders into that mix now this year at Colorado. It literally, there's four or five quarterbacks that are as good as anyone in college football. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool to hear that those guys all have uh, the, that elite capability. Um, and you mentioned Shadur Sanders, and we're talking about Oregon. So, uh, 
that was one of my picks. I picked Oregon to, to beat Colorado. I think a lot of people thought they would come in there and get destroyed, which is kind of what happened. Um, so the, the uh, fairy tale has kind of, you know, ended, but, but Colorado is still a great team and I'm sure they're going to have a, a great season, but they get, they got a tough schedule. I mean, yeah. uh, what are your thoughts on what Dion has been able to do? There's a lot of hype around all that. I mean, you know, the guy's been on 60 minutes for, for goodness yeah. sakes, they've had, everything is Dion, Dion, Dion. So, um, what are your thoughts on what Colorado has been able to do? Well, I think, you know, aside from all that, aside from all the stuff that's out there, you know, the, the glitz and the glamour, uh, the bottom line is he's done a really good job uh, hiring a staff, coaching a football team, a very competitive football team that was 1-11 last year and couldn't beat anybody. Okay, mm-hmm. so I mean, he trans, you know, he totally took over, changed the roster through the transfer portal. Uh, he hired really good coaches, really good coordinators, and he's letting them coach. And they're a well coached team, uh, you know, and, and they got off to a great start and they surprised everybody. But I mean, I just remember watching the first game against TCU. I was so blown away by the level of their execution. I mean, just how. Well, they executed on offense. And Shadur Sanders, you know, was like a perfect fit. Sean Lewis is the offensive coordinator, was the head coach at Kent State, you know, left a head coaching job to go be the coordinator at Colorado for Dion. He's going to probably be a head coach somewhere next year or somewhere else if Colorado continues to have success, which I I think they will. The problem for him is even though he changed the roster, they still probably don't have the kind of depth, particularly up front in the offense and defensive lines that some of the other teams, the better teams in the Pac-12 uh, that, that they're going to face, and then next year in the Big 12 mm-hmm. that they'll face, uh, you know, on a week-to-week basis. But, you know, what he's doing there is not a fluke. I mean, they're, they're going to yeah. continue to be good because he's going he's gonna to be able to recruit. You know, kids are going to want to go play for him. It's like this hip, cool place to play right now, and he's a hip, cool leader. Uh, he's a confident guy. He's won everywhere he's been, and – but at the end of the day, and I know this just from talking to some guys that are on his coaching staff, at the end of the day, he is a guy who really, really cares about his players mm-hmm. and cares about, you know, what's important to them. And um, and, and I think that's really cool. So, I, again, I think people form their impressions of Dion, uh, you know, right or wrong based on, you know, what they maybe see or hear. Um but and I don't know him, you know, like I've not really spent time, but I just know some people that work for him that say he's really a good dude who really cares about the kids. You can see that. And, I, you know, and, and Dion is a uh, he's a personality. He's a kind of larger than life yeah. kind of personality. And he has a lot of flair and bling that comes with him. And it's fun. It's entertaining. It's, it's great. But I think underneath that, yeah, it seems, he seems to be rooted in uh, a, a foundation that uh of of faith and a foundation of caring about his about his uh student athletes and and that's what matters and then hey, so let me I, yeah. I do have a question for you now because okay. he you know he he's very he, he's not ashamed to talk about this did you see where he ranked his children like he he ranks <laughs> them in order one to five you know like so I, I'm just curious if you've done that with your kids have you ranked yours like who your favorite is and like he said, I know, you know, I know which yeah. one's going to take care of me if I get sick. I know which one that's, you know, going to be the first one that's wanting to get in the trust fund and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So he had a little fun with it, but, but he was serious. He was, I didn't see that, but yeah. I, I, uh, and I've not, I won't rank my kids, uh, on air here because they'll see this and then I'll <laughs> be in trouble for a long time. But I, 
but I can identify with the three different kids, the one that's going to take care of me when I'm old, mm-hmm. it's be my youngest one. Uh, my oldest one is going to be the one that's like out of here and gone. Um, mm-hmm. She's going to be the one that like Bo Nix from Auburn is like, I'm going to Oregon right after all this. She's going to be like, I'm going to Canada for college. Uh, my middle one uh, is the wild card. Who knows what will happen with her? I have no idea. So, but that yeah. younger one, the baby, yeah, she's sticking around. Good. What about you? Did you rate, you got your, your four, your boys. Yeah. No, I've never rated them. I, you know, I, that, that's a good, I might start thinking about that though. Um, I would. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, they're all it, different though. They, they, you know, they're all four completely different personalities. That's for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's good. Well, uh, all right. So another big game we had, uh, would be uh, Florida state and Clemson, Clemson, yeah. Clemson. There's a P in there supposedly. Clemson. Yeah. Clemson, Florida state and Clemson. Um, anything surprise you about that game? And we ended up being pretty close. Um, yeah. and, uh, they're calling Jordan Travis, the tiger King now after taming the LSU tigers and the Clemson Clemson tigers. So yeah. what are your yeah. thoughts? Well, uh, you know, Florida state continues to impress, you know, if you look at an early season resume, you know, for the month of September, nobody has a better resume with those two wins, you know, yeah. uh, there was a you know, kind of a neutral site game when they beat, LSU, but this was in Death Valley, uh, you know, against Clemson and, and, and Clemson actually played well, you know, their offense actually outgained Florida state. They had over 400 yards, uh, played uh, Klubnik, the quarterback played well, but you know, Florida state went in there, they took care of the ball. They had no turnovers and the one turnover they forced ended up really, I think was the the difference in the game. It, It felt like as they were getting towards the end of the third quarter, that Clemson was, was kind of seizing control of the game. They were winning by seven. They were driving again, and uh, they missed a blitz pickup. And Kalen Deloach came in and hit the quarterback, knocked the ball out, picked it up, and ran 56 yards for a touchdown, and it tied the game at 24-all. And that was right at the end of the third quarter. And then, you know, they they fought it all the way into overtime and won the game in overtime, uh, you know, with a pass from Jordan Travis to Keon Coleman. So, that that's an impressive win for Florida state to go in there. And and people were wondering, you know, are they ready to assert themselves now this year uh, in the ACC? And uh, they, they seem to be in, in a great position to do that. And, and Clemson on, on the other hand, you know, they've got two losses in the ACC right now. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how they get back to a chance of, of winning the, the conference championship, but they did play much better, particularly offensively uh, this past week. You know, the surprise yeah. team of the ACC really right now is Duke. You know, Duke beat Clemson early. Um, they continue to be undefeated, and they host Notre Dame this weekend, which is going to be a very interesting game because, you know, how does Notre Dame respond after playing well and well enough to win but coming up short? You know, are they able to regroup and go on the road to Duke and, and mm. play at a high level? Because Duke is a good football team. And yeah. Mike Elko is an outstanding coach. And so if Notre Dame has any letdown at all, it, it's going to be a really difficult thing for them. And and again, so for Marcus Freeman, last year was his first year as a head coach, right? They played really well in Columbus and lost, you know, but mm-hmm. they played well, they're competitive. They came home and they lost at home to Marshall the next week, all right? Complete letdown. So, you know, how far has he grown and matured as a head coach and their team, um, again, it helps having Sam Hartman, you know, as your quarterback because he's better than anybody they've had for the last several years. Um, 
but but they're going to have to play a good ball game uh, and get over the Ohio State loss quickly to get ready for Duke. Yeah, that's a great point, and you always wonder how teams are going to respond uh, to a loss like that. Are they going to they going to bounce back and use it as fuel to then go right. and pot- possibly crush Duke, right? Or is it going to are they going to you know kind of dwindle and then come in here not not feeling good about themselves and, and allow Duke to, to push them around. But Duke is, uh, Duke's the real deal, and it's been pretty cool to see what they've done over there. In fact, two of my uh, surprise teams, I was talking with some friends earlier in the, in the season, I said, I think Duke and, and North Carolina, both out of the ACC, are going to be legitimate uh, ACC title contenders. Of course, with Clemson slipping, Florida State uh, is kind of on top there. But, yeah, Duke and, and uh, North Carolina, man, not just basketball schools anymore. No. Yeah, well, North Carolina, uh, the the biggest surprise about them, uh, you knew they were going to be good on offense because of Drake May. I mean, their quarterback is going to be, you know, one of the yeah. top selections in the draft, right, when he when he goes out. Uh, so you knew they'd be good on offense. But what's surprising, how good of defense they're playing. You know, their defense is playing. Mm-hmm. They're very aggressive. They're getting a lot of tackles for loss and sacks. You know, that's what they did to beat South Carolina in the opener. I think they had like eight or nine sacks, you know. So, um so their defense is playing better than they've played in a long time. Uh, they beat Pitt 41-24, to and, uh, you know, their schedule will continue to get tougher as they go along. Uh, but, in fact, I think they might play – I don't know if they play Syracuse this week, or they're, they're going to play them pretty soon, and Syracuse mm-hmm. is off to an undefeated start as well. So uh, there, yeah. that's going to be some interesting games down the stretch here for the ACC. That's right. In fact, let's uh, we can go over a few of those games uh, right now if you like. Um, coming up, looks like we've got uh, uh, Friday night. We've got uh, Utah and Oregon State. That's going to be an interesting game. What do you think about what are what are Utah's chances of uh, going into? Uh, is it, oh, it's not it's not Corvallis. Beaver Stadium. Corvallis. Corvallis. Yeah, yeah. So Beaver That's Stadium it. is uh, Penn State, which doesn't make yeah. any sense, right. Todd, right. Uh, as we've discussed right. in the past. Yeah. So, but yeah. the Oregon State Beavers have their own stadium that's not Beaver Stadium. Right. And right. Uh, what do you think about Utah going in there? They're going to get it done. Well, I think Utah is a really good football team, uh, and they're they're rugged. They they their team has always kind of had the personality of their head coach Kyle Whittingham. I mean, he's a tough guy. Uh, they won, you know, they won fourteen to seven Saturday, beating UCLA. You know, so it wasn't yeah. anything pretty. But again, they've been without their starting quarterback, and I don't know if Cam Rising is back this week or not. I know he's getting closer and closer to being able to play. But they're still finding ways to win. Remember, they won the opener uh, against Florida, which was, you know, kind of the biggest win on their schedule so far. Yeah. Uh, so they're a veteran team and a, and a confident team. But Corvallis, I mean, that, that's a hard place to go play. Uh, it'll be a lively crowd, and and uh, and Oregon State is is a really good football team. And you know, we talked about Bo Nix getting a new lease on life. It's been kind of cool to see DJ Uyunglele get a new lease on life going, you know, again, as far away from Clemson as he could to Corvallis, Oregon. uh, And, and, you know, has really, uh, has really had a good season so far. Yeah. I'm excited to see DJ Ukulele do well over there in, uh, at Oregon state. So, uh, yeah, I love that. Okay. Speaking of ukulele, uh, Talia Tungavaloa to his little brother, who's a quarterback at Maryland. Um, yes. They're off to an undefeated start. Um, yeah. He had three touchdown passes and ran for one in their in their win over Michigan State on the weekend. Um, they're going to have some big games. They've got Ohio State in two weeks. There's a good chance that mm. both teams will be undefeated when when uh, 
when the Terps go into Columbus. But the biggest change for them, their defense is playing really, really well. They forced five turnovers uh, against Michigan State, and I, I think they're a legit team. You know, they feel mm. like this is their best team that Mike Loxley has had. You know, this is the first time that he said, hey, we, we can talk about trying to compete for a Big Ten championship. Uh, it, you know, for a while and for his first few years, it looked like they were just way behind Ohio State, Michigan, and even Penn State. Uh, but they're playing at a real high level. And the reason I said ukulele is because Talia plays a ukulele. And so, yeah, nice. And at the Big Ten Media Day, uh, we got him to do it on camera. He's 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 pretty good. He's pretty yeah, good, he's huh? Good. Yeah. yeah, very good. Uh, that's a good Hawaiian instrument, is, yeah. right, yeah. as well. Um, they Hawaiian, right? Yes. Okay. That's good. I, it would have been weird if they weren't, and I would have just put my foot in my mouth once again. Uh, what a great weekend for him to do well, though. The same weekend his brother leads the Dolphins oh to a 70 to 30 or 20 or whatever it was thrashing of the Broncos. What in the world? Seven, did you ever see 70 points in the no, NFL when you were? No, no, no. I mean, I, I and I looked at that. Well, first of all, I saw they were up 35 nothing. I think, it or 30, whatever, at halftime. Yeah. And they had they had 35 points. I don't remember what Denver had. But I do remember looking at the stats. And in the first half, Tua was perfect. He was 16 for 16, like 205 yards, couple touchdowns. His quarterback rating was as high as it was. It was absolutely perfect. I'm like, the guy hasn't missed a pass. And then obviously he didn't miss many in the second half either. And they scored 70 points. I mean, on another NFL football team, that's... I mean, that's shocking. That that was shocking yeah. to see. And so. it kind of was shocking to see it against the Broncos. You'd think that might happen against uh, maybe a weaker team, although the Broncos struggled last year. But they seem to be in this rebuilding phase with Sean no, Payton I, coming I in. I would not expect to see that against any NFL team. <laughs> no, any team. That's interesting. That's, now, <laughs> I, I mean, Miami is really good. Two is very good. I, you know, their their coach is a really creative play caller. I mean, they're, they're good. Yeah. You know? But – um. Uh, but that still is. I mean, you, you don't expect any NFL defense to give up seventy points. That's no, it's pretty embarrassing for yeah. the Broncos. Yeah, un unfortunately. So back to college. Uh, it's very interesting that some of these teams that have been flying under the radar, like you mentioned, Maryland. You know, Maryland was not on my. I'm not thinking about Maryland. You know, just like people yeah. are not thinking about Duke or they're right. not thinking about Kansas. You know, yeah. who's into the top twenty five and and. Uh, you know, does we'll, Kansas we'll find out more about Kansas this week? Cause Kansas yeah. goes to Austin to play Texas. And I think, I think we can all realize and recognize that Texas is legit. Yeah. You know, what they did going into Tuscaloosa a couple weeks ago, uh, they're legit. They're playing really good football on both sides of the ball. Quinn Ewers is off to a great start. And so, you know, I, I don't know if I, I, first of all, look, I think Lance Leopold, the head coach at Kansas is a great football coach. He was he was a really good coach at Buffalo. He went to Kansas. He's turned the program around at Kansas. I don't know how long you can sustain success at Kansas. I I, I don't know. <laughs> you know. He's doing a great job, uh, but that is a tall task to go into Austin and 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 hope to beat this Texas team that I think is playing as good as anybody. Yeah, they're they're awesome right now, and it's it's cool to see uh, what yeah. what they're doing over there. Um, okay. Other games to look out for. Uh, what game are you calling this weekend? So <laughs> I'm doing uh, Michigan State, who got throttled by Maryland, yeah. against Iowa, who got demolished by Penn State. Yeah. Now, now, so think about this, that there's been so much talk about Iowa 
and jokes made about Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator, and, you know, how bad the Iowa offense has been the last couple of years. And, you know, he has this contract where if they don't average 25 points a game, uh, he, you know, is not going to keep his title of offensive coordinator, whatever. So uh, I'm not sure what, how all that's going to play out, but I do know this. They got beat 31 to nothing at the whiteout game by Penn state, but their numbers offensively, I mean, you know, as bad as maybe the Denver Broncos numbers were on defense yeah. Saturday or Sunday, these numbers on offense, they ran 33 plays was all they had. Penn State ran 97 plays, 64 more plays in the game. Iowa had four first downs, a total of 76 yards. They had four fumbles. They were one for nine on third down. And I mean, and normally Iowa's defense is you know, what keeps them in the games. Um, but yeah. even they had trouble stopping Penn State from just running the football. Penn State ran it 57 times, 215 yards. A very, very impressive win by Penn State, who, you know, I think their young quarterback, Drew Aller, is getting better and better each time out. And, um, you know, they, they think this is their year to, to overtake Ohio State, to overtake a Michigan. They'll play Ohio State in Columbus in a couple weeks. They'll have Michigan at home, you know, a week or so after that. So only time will tell, but they are trending for sure in the right way. Yeah. Listen, I'm a big believer in, in Penn State this year, and not just because you and I are friends and you paid me 20 bucks to say that on this podcast. Right. I mean, I legitimately believe they are good. In fact, in my, um, I know you're not big on preseason rankings, but uh, I am because I have nothing to lose because nobody cares what I say. Uh, so <laughs> in mine – I had Penn State up there. I think I may have even had them ranked above Ohio State and Michigan. I don't know, but I've had them up there because I really think that they have a chance to, uh, to, to be the, the team in the Big Ten. I think they, uh, their quarterback, Drew Aller, I was impressed. I watched them in the first game. I was like, wow, who is this guy? I didn't know, you know, uh, maybe the best quarterback they've had in a while as well. I don't know. But uh, Penn State, I think they're legit, man. They're the real deal. How's that for your Penn State grad? You're an alum. You're uh, the great Todd Blackledge. How, I mean, how are we feeling about about Penn State. Yeah, I, I like their team. You know, I, I think this is the best team, that, the most talented and deep team that James has had since he's been there. This is his 10th season. Uh, they're really good on defense. They're they're deep. They've got a lot of depth on defense. They can, they're can they fast. They've got length. I mean, they're really athletic on defense. And Manny Diaz, a defensive coordinator, they're an attacking, aggressive style defense, kind of defense kids like to play in, you know, because they get yeah. to go fly all over the place. And then, you know, Aller's getting better and better. He's a, he's a legitimate big-time talent. Uh, they've got two sophomore running backs uh, in Singleton and Allen that are both big-time players. Their mm -hmm. offensive line is good. The, the one area that Penn State is lagging behind a little bit in is they've got one really good wide receiver, Keandre Lambert-Smith. They've not had a, a second receiver really emerge yet, and that's mm -hmm. they need that to happen you know, to win those games that they really want to win down down the line. Yeah. But right now, I think, other than that, they're playing at a very high level. Okay, good, good. All right. A um, couple more questions here. Let's, let's, let's move on to um, uh, a couple um, grilling questions. I'm going to throw a couple grilling, yeah. Okay. It's tailgate okay. season, all right? So, and, oh, yeah. and, and I know you liked some, a couple of my grill videos I've, I've put out. Yeah. Yeah, been just... you look like somebody I could really learn from on the grill. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, seem yeah. like you have an expertise that is 
you know, pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Expertise is not a word that's been used a whole lot to describe my grilling, but um, entertaining is one that has been. Uh, so it's, it's tailgate season. Everybody's, you know, I'm going to be tailgating uh, in Knoxville this weekend um, after my big live show that I'm doing in Knoxville, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. And millions of people wear, coming. Will you wear the orange and white overalls for your live show or I not? I will not be doing that. No, I will not, but no. you wanted me to wear them, but you won't wear them. That's correct. That's correct. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. You got right. me on that one. All right. Okay. All um, right. yeah, I'll be tailgating. And, uh, so when it comes to, uh, grilling and yeah. tailgating, somebody on social media asked us, uh, Kelly, Kelly Kittle Evans, looks like is her handle, her name. And she says, what makes a good tailgate? Great. Food wise, what makes a good tailgate? Great. How do you elevate your tailgating game when you're at the game? Wow. Um, I think part of it maybe has to do with, you know, with the weather, you know, I, because I think some things are better when the weather's yeah. cooler, you know, mm -hmm. and, and some things are better when it's real hot and humid. Um, I kind of like the cooler games personally, you know, okay. so I love, you know, like a, a great gumbo, you know, on mm. a cooler day, or I like, you know, Italian sausage with peppers and onions that you're cooking and you can just smell that like, all over the place, right? With good hoagie yeah. rolls, you know, good soft Italian hoagie rolls. Uh, you know, that to me is, is a great way to, to elevate your tailgate. That's some, gr that's some great recommendations right there. In fact, I'm going to change my order for this weekend to the uh, <laughs> sausage and peppers and onions. That sounds good. Uh, yeah. Okay. You're a food guy. Would you say, would you say that you're a food guy? Is that, is that a proper term? I'm a food eating guy. You know, like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I like to eat food. Um, I like to find hole in the wall places to eat, you know? Um, and then, but and I like to, I like to grill. I like to cook a little bit, but I'm not like a food critic, you know, or right. I'm not an aficionado of anything, but I do enjoy, I enjoy eating. Yeah. My wife and I like to say that some people, you know, they eat to live. Right. Right. But we, we live to eat. Yeah. So my wife and I do that as well. Yeah. yeah. We both live to eat. Yeah. That's good. Uh, what this episode one has just been spectacular. What else do we, we want to cover before, uh, the, all the people, uh, decide to cut off here? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think we hit it pretty good. Um, we did. Yeah. I think we hit it pretty good. Um, Oh, I, one more bonus. Quack. I got one more. This is, okay. this is big, big time stuff. Okay. So, so apparently it is true that Taylor Swift is in fact dating Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I think that is true. Right, it's got to be. Well, I mean, why else would she be sitting with his mom in in the private box there? It would be quite the coincidence. Yeah, yeah. So, I think we've discerned here today. Yeah, I, like that how I like how they're like trying to put out football nuggets and knowledge tips for Swifties. <laughs> you know, people that right. are going to follow football now because they are fans of hers, but they really probably don't know if football is stuffed or filled with air you know that's true they don't they really gotta gotta you know extend all the olive branch those swifties you know you don't want to have any bad blood no right no. so there we Let's go blend, blend the worlds together that's know, right so. bring them together which is what you and i are doing here on the man in black podcast that's yeah and so it's been a good one yeah thanks for joining me and we're going to do it again next week we hope we believe yeah i think so yeah, yeah. If we can get, you know 
I you are the technical guru, so as long as you can get us on, you know, up and running, we'll be okay. Yeah, well, relying on me as the technical guru is is that's that's stretching, but we'll we'll do it. So, uh, all right, thanks everybody for listening. This is the Man in Black podcast, episode one. Thanks again. We'll see you. Happy college football Saturday. <laughs>